My name is Dr. Bart Precourt. Welcome to the Health Made Simple podcast. These podcasts will help you create simple strategies and simple habits so you can get back to being the best version of yourself. Hey everyone, Dr. Bart here and welcome back to the Health Made Simple podcast. Got a great topic for you today and this is all about gut health. And I tell you, this is probably the number one topic out there right now. So for all the men and women out there that are practicing clinical nutrition and functional medicine or holistic doctors, this is the most common thing we are seeing in our offices. So big topic for you. And what I'm the best that I can today, I'm going to try to simplify this because it can get really uh, I think sometimes it gets overwhelming. At least that's what I've seen in my patients where all the different diagnoses that they could have and all the different signs and symptoms. I'm going to do my best as usual to, to try to simplify this for you. So by the time you're done this, you can take some logistic, simple action steps today. And that's and that's always the goal here. So, so I'll do the best I can on my end. And then on your end, think about someone who you could send this out to that would benefit from overall health. And I'm going to say overall health, not just gut health, because you'll see that your gut really relates to all of your health. All right. So again, thank you for uh, being here and thanks for, uh, you know, spreading the love. Keep doing your thing. I'm going to do the best I can here. So we're going to we're going to dive right in and talk about gut health. And I'm going to go a little old school on us first. And we're just talk anatomy. Like what like what is our gut? It's kind of this like, oh, my gut. Is it just my belly? Um, no, it's actually much more. So let's we're going to talk about the anatomy. We're going to talk about the gut brain connection. And that is huge. We we're literally in science. We're learning more and more about this every single year. How connected our, we almost we, we call it like a second brain that's in our gut that's constantly telling our big brain upstairs what to do. So we'll dive into that a little bit. We'll talk about how your digestive system, how it works, uh, the signs and symptoms of do I have a gut issue? So some sometimes we're not even aware. So I'm going to give you signs and symptoms of a gut issue that's affecting you know, your, the obvious parts of your gut, like your small intestine, your large intestine, cecum, your, your colon, but also signs and symptoms that may be having a gut brain reaction, things like anxiety and depression that could be related to your gut. Uh, then we'll also talk about what, what foods, like what are the good foods that we could be providing our bodies with on a regular basis. And I think, I don't think that's going to be a new topic for you or, or, you know, I don't think I'm going to shed too much light there other than it's going to be a reminder and maybe an aha moment to just kind of like, oh yeah, I don't need a lot of those. So yes, it's going to be difficult to have a real healthy gut if we're not feeding our gut the very things that they, you know, our gut needs to be to be good and healthy. So then I'm going to talk about what I consider the absolute two biggest gut destroyers. And pay attention in this part because I'm going to encourage you to do everything you can to avoid these things. And and if you are exposed to these two things, you got to have a strategy for what happens afterwards. What are you going to do to repair yourself from the two big gut destroyers? And then, of course, what do we do? What is our action steps going to be today? So we'll have a little fun this morning or afternoon. It's actually afternoon here. So, all right. So let's, let's talk anatomy first. When we talk about gut health, you can hear a lot of different things. So you can, it could be called your digestive system, your GI system, your D, GI tract. All of that is 
really means your gut health. And it starts in your mouth. So your mouth is part of it, and then it goes to your esophagus, and then from your esophagus to your stomach. Once we get to your stomach, then we have several different organs that are going to play a role here. We have your liver, your gallbladder, your pancreas, and they all play different roles here. So, for example, depending on what food goes into your stomach, you might if you have like um, a fat that you eat, that's a job of the gallbladder and the liver to take care of that. And your pancreas helps out as well. If it's a carbohydrate, that's a pancreas issue. So there's there's a whole kind of orchestra taking place. And it's a, it's a symphony of this beautiful orchestration of how your body works in a very, very intelligent matter. And I'm saying that because when we get to the disruptors and destroyers, you're going to see that we're just messing up this, this beautiful symphony. All right. So then we go from mouth to esophagus, stomach, pancreas, liver, gallbladder. And then the intestines. And this, I think, what most people consider their gut. That's your small intestines. There's three parts to that. Then you got your large intestine, often called your colon, and then your rectum. So really, it's mouth to anus and everything in between. And I point that out because it is important that we want to at least identify all parts of it and make sure that we're healthy from our mouth all the way down to elimination and not just in the middle. So that'll be the, that'll be kind of the gist of today saying, well, what's going on with my mouth? Can I tell much by just looking in my mouth? And the answer is always, always, always yes. So that's that anatomy. Now let's talk about the gut brain anatomy. So we often consider your gut brain, your second brain. So in the amount of input that it's giving your body and your brain, it might actually be your first brain because of how much input you're actually getting from your gut. And what I mean by that is this, every time your gut from mouth to anus is having any type of input, it has to give feedback to your brain. And depending on what type of feedback, what kind of messages you're sending your brain will determine ultimately how your body functions and then also how your brain's gonna respond. That is where we start to see a lot of brain dysfunction and brain disorders. So overall, that's this system in science, we call this your ENS, your enteric nervous system. So it is part of your nervous system, this whole jumbled communication that we have here. So that, you know, the, the sometimes when you think of the gut, you ever had like, you've ever said the, the phrase, I have a gut response here, right? I have a gut feeling. Then we have a gut response. To emotional stuff. So there's everything coming in our gut response. Now, your gut isn't the part of your brain that's going to, you know, balance your checkbook or tell you how to, you know, directions to get somewhere, but it will tell your body what to do. Tell, it's a, and, and maybe the most important thing that it does, it is always signaling your immune system. And this is important for us to understand because the challenge here, and I'm jumping around a little bit, yet the challenge here is that if your body it has something in it, if you eat something, you bring a foreign matter, processed foods, you know, high fructose corn syrups, you bring in these GMO foods, they're coming into your body and your body does not recognize them. So then your body thinks it's a foreign invader. So it elicits your immune system. And that then has to go to work. And it's constantly putting your immune system at work because of the food choices we're making. And that by itself is something that is just absolutely draining people when it comes to energy. So we're, there's a whole gut-brain connection there. Your gut, this is what I want you to take away from it. 
everything that goes into your body, from your mouth down, you are sending a message to your brain. If your brain knows what to do, it then signals a certain organ system or gland to help out in that function. So for example, I just mentioned that your pancreas helps break down carbohydrates. So the moment you put a carbohydrate in your mouth, if you take the time to chew it, it then sends a message to your brain and it prepares your stomach to already start to release those digestive enzymes very specific to carbohydrates. It wakes up your pancreas, your pancreas releases amylase and lipase, different things that your body needs to break down those carbohydrates. Now, if you, if something enters your mouth that your brain does not know what to do with it, there within starts a lie of confusion. You're sending a signal to your brain. It may not know what to do. And the more that this happens, the more disruption, brain disruption that can take place. So I want you to walk away with this or listen to this part and say, Wow, so every time I put something into my body that's processed food, that's foreign, that's a chemical, my brain actually doesn't know what to do with it. So it makes my entire body have to overwork, overprocess, confuses it. So we're essentially draining ourselves, never mind the, the like in the, the nutrient values of this, just processed foods makes your brain overwork. So that's that's a little bit of our gut brain connection here. And again, anything foreign, your body essentially identifies as an attacker. And then, and we'll get into this in just a little bit, but if in the event that we use an antibiotic, so in this whole gut, a lot of terms that we'll also throw around are things like gut flora and gut microbiome. And that is on the inside line. That's why we use things like probiotics. We're going to tackle that in just a moment here. But when we use an antibiotic, which is one of the big destroyers. I'm kind of letting the, the cat out of the, of, out of the bag here. When we use an antibiotic, we actually destroy bacteria that's supposed to be communicating with our brain. And there within lies a huge part of the problem. So if you're like me, and, and most of you probably are if you grew up in this country. Uh, so I grew up on what I would call milk, <laughs> cereal, and antibiotics. So it's sugar, sugar, and antibiotics. And that is really, really common. So if you've ever been and ever been exposed to an antibiotic, you have killed. You've killed off bacteria. That's what an antibiotic does. It's anti-life. When that happens, you are killing the bacteria that are supposed to be communicating with your brain. So we have to, at this point, doesn't mean you're dead. You're, we, we got strategies for this. But no matter how long ago or it doesn't matter the reason. So I, oftentimes uh, people kind of get caught up. Well, doc, I had to. Listen, I'm not here to judge. I used them the, the beginning, the first 20 years of my life. I used them nonstop. And even if you, you know, every now and then your your child goes on them. Don't, you know, don't, you know, uh, you know, beat yourself up over it. But we must make sure that moving forward that we have a really good strategy. If you go on an anti, you know, an antibiotic, if you're going to kill that bacteria, what are you going to do to grow it back? Because the challenge with them is that we, it doesn't, you don't put an antibiotic in your gut and it hurts. Well, I take that back. For some, it really does. It gets to a point when you're killing that bacteria. I, you know, I just had a patient the other day who was talking about they're bleeding both, you know, out through the mouth and through their anus right after antibiotic use. And that usually happens when there's really no bacteria, good bacteria left, and it really can wreak havoc on the body. But in the event that you've used them, it's not gloom and doom. It just says, hey, I'm aware of this, and that's what we're doing here today. We're going to develop a strategy where to go from there. So 
how does this digestive system work? And I've kind of just uh, touched on it a little bit. First thing it does is when you put something in your mouth and I want you to try to like think through this with me, almost visualize, you put something in your mouth, the moment it's in your mouth, it sends a message to your brain. And that is why we were always told by our moms to slow down, chew our food. The more you chew the food, the more your brain can prepare to digest your food. This is huge. This is, this, you know, this is, a, and so that means just some of our, just our lifestyle choices can actually help us with our digestive system. So let's chew our food a little bit better. Let's make sure the brain can identify it. Now, once it's, once it's identified, then it goes into the next step. Then it calls, your, your brain essentially then signals the rest of your body. Say, hey guys, let's go to work here. If you're eating, you know, good healthy fats, you're eating butter and coconut oil and avocado, it'll signal things like your gallbladder, and that will help you with bile production. Then that helps break down the fats. If you're the same thing, if you're eating fats, then your liver will have excess bile there and help again release release that, so your body can break down those fats and then send them through the small down into the small intestine. Hopefully, so we still have a gallbladder, but if we don't, there's always strategies for that as well. So that that communication, first to identify it, and then the brain signals the body. And again, I'm going back to if the body, if the brain, I'm sorry, if the brain can't identify what it is, it begins the confusion of who do I identify to go to work here? So if I have, you know, an automobile mechanic I don't want to send him necessarily to go paint my house. That's the wrong worker for the job. And the brain ends up in this same situation. When you eat processed foods, it says, I don't know who to send to do this job. So often we will get the pancreas because that's the, the pancreas is the one who does a lot of the heavy lifting when it comes, they breaks down fats, carbs, and proteins. So the more we make the pancreas work, we ultimately see the body start to develop something called insulin resistance. And that is one of the causes that leads us to things like diabetes and all this excessive weight gain. All right, so we identify and then we provide the, the proper workers to go do the job. And that's the digestive, that's, you know, your body releases digestive enzymes. So there'll be different digestive enzymes for a fat than there is for, a, you know, a protein or a carbohydrate. And again, so your pancreas takes care of things like your carbs, your fats, your proteins, your liver, you know, supplies bile, so does your gallbladder, and those are more for breaking down fats and, and vitamins. All right, so what are some of the signs and symptoms that you might have or uh, or you may or may not have um, that may indicate you've got a little bit of a gut imbalance? And sometimes, again, you'll hear leaky gut, you'll hear gut dysbiosis. That means when gut dysbiosis typically means that you have an imbalance in the amount of good flora versus bad flora. So almost everybody, if you've ever been on, a, in a, on an antibiotic, there's a good chance that you have some level of gut dysbiosis. So good versus bad because you killed off a lot of them. Um, so here's some of the signs and symptoms of, of having uh, a gut dysfunction or dysbiosis. Um, if you have a high sugar diet, so if you have high sugar diet and high processed foods, and what that means is typically you crave your carbohydrates and sugars somewhere along the line, most likely you have damaged your gut. And this causes sugar cravings because sugar is the easiest fuel source to burn. 
Now, unfortunately, it's a poor burning fuel source. And what I mean by that, when you use sugar on a regular basis, it creates a lot of inflammation leading to what we call systemic inflammation. That's inflammation within the body. And that is at the root of a lot of you know disease and disharmony that we're experiencing nowadays. So if you know that you're kind of hooked on carbs and sugar, and if you've heard me before, I consider everybody addicted to their carbs and sugar until proven otherwise. So um, you can do your little at-home test, and the at-home test to find that out is, it's real simple. You take a 48-hour period, and for the first or each 24 hours, you're only allowed to have 25 total grams of carbohydrates in that, in that, in that 24 hours. Try to do this for two days straight chances are you won't make it. And you're going to figure out these three things. Does it affect your mood, your mental clarity, or your physical actions? Like, does it make you tired? Can you perform like you did? So again, it's really how we think, how we act, and how we move. If in that 24 hours, only having 25 grams of carbs, so you can eat all the other foods that you want, but if it alters those significantly, and you get cranky or you get hangry, you know, the, uh, where you're, you know, the hunger meets the anger. That means you have a blood sugar imbalance, which means that you probably are only good at burning carbs or sugar for fuel. So your body gets addicted to that fuel. All right. So that's one way. Another, one of the more common or more like obvious ways, if you have a lot of gas, foul smelling or not foul smelling, if you burp a lot and bloating, but I'm going to keep going farther here. Constipation, diarrhea, and heartburn. These are all indications of some kind of gut imbalance. Um, un- here, here's an interesting one. Unintentional weight changes. I know, I know we're never like intentionally like, oh, I'm going to gain weight here. But unintentional meaning that maybe you're gaining weight and you really haven't changed anything. And that's really what I'm looking for. Not just because your, your bad diet caught up to you, but... You haven't changed anything, meaning that you've been doing kind of the same thing over and over again, and all of a sudden, boom, you're you're packing on the pounds abnormally high. Um, and we'll see a lot of this take place in our clinics. And that at that point, um, and part of our action steps today will be, hey, listen, if you know you have this stuff going on, get with a good practitioner, someone you trust, someone you think that can help you through this, because every single scenario is a little bit different. And for us, so I can't give you the perfect protocol for you today here on, on, you know, on this podcast. But if you know any of these categories are, you know, are they, they hit you right on the head, this is you, make sure you get with a practitioner. So unintentional weight gain. I've had some people, you know, literally gain 100 pounds in a year. And it's very, very difficult to do, even with bad food choices. And if you're one of those people, I'm going to encourage you to stop torturing yourself. Stop beating yourself up thinking that you haven't run enough in the gym or exercised enough. One of my very first experiences with a gut issue is probably about 16 years ago. This is when I was still practicing up in Atlanta. And I had a young lady I'd been taking care of for a while. And I mean, a couple of years for just regular chiropractic, uh, you know, support. And it was after the holidays, it was in the January time and I hadn't seen her for a little while. And I saw her about March. And when I saw her in March, about three months after her last visit, she gained 60 pounds. And this, this was shocking to me. And I was thinking, man, maybe she just went off the deep end on, on eating or maybe she was depressed. And she, and she would say, I'm eating good and I'm exercising daily. And she was gaining weight 
every week and she was exercising more and more to the point where she had gained just under 100 pounds in a half a year. And when we, we dug backwards and I was really new to this whole game and we didn't know about things, well, I didn't know about things like the microbiome and how impactful it was on the overall influence of our health and the way the human body functions. But when we started to look back on our history, during the holidays, she went through the flu season, she got stressed, she brought her body broke down, and she went on three rounds of antibiotics back to back. No one really thought that the antibiotics could have destroyed her microbiome, and then everything she put into her body, her body had an immune response to it because it couldn't handle it, and it stored it in a fat cell even her good foods. So that was an eye-opener for me, an aha moment. So if that's you, if that's someone you know, listen, stop telling them to, that they need to get on the treadmill more. Get them to a practitioner that can understand and see some of this stuff because we can fix that. And we, they can get you know a, a normalcy back into their lives and feel good about their health and about who they are once again because that, that can really you know set our, our mind and our body off track there. So more symptoms here. Poor sleep, sleep disturbances is, is almost always related to the gut. And the reason being is 95% of a neurotransmitter called serotonin is made in your gut. So this is huge when it comes to the ability to sleep. So serotonin is the precursor. That's the one that makes us feel good to helping your body release melatonin. So we need those. In, we need the serotonin being made and then being able to be transferred up into the brain to release the melatonin. But if you've got gut dysbiosis, leaky gut, all of those, SIBO, all of those, they're going to interfere with your ability to make serotonin. And that, if you listen to my last podcast about anxiety and depression, when we have an imbalance in the ability to make serotonin, that is one of the number one causes of anxiety and depression. So this, this can tie it all together. When you take care of your gut, you are really taking care of of you know your whole body, the whole human health here. So more here. So constant fatigue. This is a huge one. You know, and this is real interesting. And this is um sometimes this is uh, like a, a, a bad rabbit hole that we can all get stuck in. Even as practitioners, you know, at least I'll admit that I've been there at times before. Where people say, "Hey, doc, what do you got for energy?" And listen, I've got some amazing, amazing herbs for energy. Things like tribulus, things like Korean ginseng, that they help us create stamina. Rhodiola and ginseng, fantastic herbs that literally give us a bump to our cellular activity. Those are great. The challenge here is this. We got to ask the question, why are we losing energy? Of course, we got to find, make sure that we're sleeping, but why are we losing energy day to day? And one of the reasons that we are constantly fatigued because your body's always in an immune response because our gut, our gut flora, gut bacteria beat up and it doesn't know what's coming into our body. Another one is autoimmune conditions. And again, this is a huge topic. This will be a, a future podcast of mine where we're going to talk about autoimmunity, autoimmune conditions. Why are we seeing this rampant increase in all kinds of autoimmune conditions? And the answer is because of poor gut health. So it all starts there once, because not only could we put in bad foods, but some of you are no longer putting in bad foods. And I get it. I went through this phase as well. Where I was just eating good foods. I didn't necessarily heal my gut, but I was eating only good foods, but still experiencing 
bloating, still experiencing uh, stool that was, you know, constipated, loose, all of that, still experiencing low energy. The challenge here is with the autoimmune conditions, it doesn't mean we've healed the gut. And if our gut flora, that microbiome has been beat down over the years because of bad food choices and specifically because of the antibiotics, we have to get back in there and restore and rebuild those. And I'll talk about those in just a moment here and how we're going to do that. So we're seeing more and more autoimmune conditions. And listen, I'll be the first one to tell you as a clinical practitioner here, clinical nutritionist, someone involved with functional medicine daily, this is important information to understand this part of what I'm talking about because nobody, no one's really excited about changing their diet. We have to understand the link here. If we don't fix the gut health, all of those other things that we're chasing are going to, they're probably, we'll probably never achieve those. Um, all right. And then, and then last but not least, when it comes to the gut symptoms is that one of the ones that happens real common, and this is really actually way, way, way down downstream, and it's the food intolerances or what some people think are food allergies. So I don't do a lot of food allergy testing for a very specific reason, and that reason is when your gut microbiome, when your gut flora is beat up and it can't really communicate well with your brain, the gut brain is out of whack, if that's happening, then you will start to develop random intolerances to foods, foods that you've eaten all your life. And all of a sudden now you have a, a negative response to it. So before I do the, the gut, you know, like a food allergy test, we have to start to align, you know, getting the right foods into the body and then also start to restore the gut. Otherwise, it, it, it's almost you. It's almost an obvious thing that we will develop gut imbalances over time or gut or food intolerances over time if our gut microbiome is off. So now we'll just switch. So those are signs and symptoms of your gut. Now let's talk a little bit about the signs and symptoms of the gut brain. When we have a gut brain disturbance, things like anxiety, depression, ADD, ADHD, brain disorders, dementia, Parkinson's, Alzheimer's, and then mood imbalances. All of those, if you, let's say you didn't have any of those first six or seven symptoms, you didn't have a high sugar diet, you didn't have bloating or constipation, you didn't have unintentional weight gain or loss, you had no issues with your sleep, you didn't have any fatigue, you didn't have any autoimmune conditions that you know of, and you didn't develop any food intolerances. If all of this was the case, how about these? Anxiety, depression, ADD, ADHD, brain disorders, and then also mood imbalances. All of those signs, all of those are signs and symptoms that there's a likelihood you have a gut issue. All right, let's talk about the food. So now let's move more into the direction of what can you do to start to heal up your gut? What are some of the good foods? Well, I take that back. Before we go there, let let me just, and I've already kind of talked about it, but let's talk about the, the ones that are destroying our, what, what's destroying our gut? The two biggest things, and there's a lot of things, honestly, but the first big one, I already mentioned it, antibiotics. Anti means, you know, no, right? And then bio means life. So it's anti-life. It is, an antibiotic is designed to kill live bacteria. And it, it's worth understanding what that's doing. I understand why we often take it because we're trying to get rid of a sign or a symptom, a sinus infection, maybe an ear infection, 
That's why I took them when I was young. I can't, I had chronic ear infections. Now, mind you, I was eating milk and sugar, milk, cereal, daily. Sugar, sugar, sugar. Never mind everything else that I was eating. Then I would go on antibiotics and kill my gut flora, and I would feed it more milk and sugar, sugar upon sugar, milk and sugar. I say milk and cereal that perpetuated it. So I just grew up thinking that everyone had a gut dysfunction. So if you're on antibiotics or been on it, you have to establish a strategy, and I'm going to give you that in just a moment, of what do we do? And there's going to be two things involved, and that's both a prebiotic, and I'll give you some food choices for that, and then also a probiotic. So the number two thing, and this one's getting sneaky, I think that we are just scratching the surface and understanding the depth of the dangers that something called glyphosate is having on the human body. And I don't say that lightly because we, we actually know, but I don't know that science or I don't know, freaking politics or who knows, hasn't caught up with it. Glyphosate is something that's in almost all GMO foods. That's, those are the genetically modified foods. That is also what's in Roundup, what they spray your lawn with to kill all the pesticides, the herbicides, and keep all the funguses out. But that that particular chemical, glyphosate, we are consuming it at massive, massive levels. Think of all the foods out there. So if you ever go to your grocery store, here's, here's one way to find out if you're genetically modified food or if it's not organic. If it has that little sticker on the, like you look at your apple, and the sticker has a number to it. If it begins with a nine, that's an organic food. If it doesn't begin with a nine, like it's a four, that is not organic and we probably want to stay with it. It either means that it's going to be a genetically modified or that it could have all those things sprayed on it. So that glyphosate, once it gets into our gut, of course, when it goes through the mouth and everything's identified as foreign, we don't know what to do with you, probably have to have an immune response for that. But now we see that that glyphosate is starting to weaken and thin the lining of our intestines. That is leading to this nonstop, constant conditions in people of leaky gut, of SIBO, the small intestine bacterial overgrowth, and it's causing a whole different array of signs and symptoms. So why is that such a big deal now? We know antibiotics have been always been around, and there's always been talk about how you know regular antibiotic use can be very destructive to our health. But why haven't we heard much about GMOs and this thing called glyphosate? And that's because it's only about 15 years old. So I didn't have it when I was growing up. We didn't have that in our foods. But your children now, you're a 16-year-old kid. You've been probably eating glyphosate since the day that you're born. So we really, really want. So for this reason, this is the reason, the biggest reason I encourage everyone to do farm to table, know your farmers, and also do organic whenever and however you possibly can. So it's the antibiotics and the processed foods and especially the glyphosate, these genetically modified foods that are really destroying things. All right. So now let's let's flip this a little bit. That's like a little like doom and gloom there. So, all right. So let's flip it over. What do we do? How do we how do we create a strategy for good health for our for our body? All right. Let's just start with if you've ever had an antibiotic, we want to give your body both a prebiotic and a probiotic. So a prebiotic, think of you're going to put the dirt in there. And then the pro the, the probiotic is putting the seeds in. So some of the good foods for good gut health, um, and really you don't, you don't have to be in an antibiotic to eat these, right? So that's not the idea. But you're always supplying these because your, your gut's always turning over the microvilli. There's always 
great creating new microbiome. Onions, garlic, artichokes, bananas, apples, those are all great as a prebiotic. So then in some of the probiotics, which are some of my favorites, those are going to be your fermented foods. Kimchi, kombucha, sauerkraut, miso, kefir. So I just mentioned all those foods. And then when you think about it, especially the fermented foods, you probably think, well, I don't eat many of those. So now that's an action step that you can take, you know, literally today, start to think about bringing these foods back in little bit by little bit. So you can then naturally start to build up your natural gut flora, rebuild the microvilli, have an intelligent microbiome, and then you become a smarter, healthier, stronger human being. Some other foods that will be really important. And, and I think this is another huge area that we're missing out are fiber foods. Foods that are super high in fiber. One of the most important things about fiber that can be so beneficial to us, it cleans things out. It's like a rake. It's like someone going into your intestines and getting all that goo out of it, getting all that junk out of it, getting all that, that bad bacteria and all that bad yeast and helping the getting rid of the candida if it's in there. And we start to clean it out. Some of the best fiber foods are things like your cruciferous vegetables. That's things like, uh, what are we um Brussels sprouts, broccoli, cauliflower. Those are some of the absolute best ones for you. All right. And then there's other foods. And we hear a lot about this now too. Things, anything that's collagen rich, like literally our meats are collagen rich, but bone broth, fantastic for healing up the gut. Um, coconut oil, fantastic for help healing up the gut. All right. So last but not least, I'm going to give you some action steps in a moment, but what Test. If you're going to go see a, a practitioner or you want to know what state is your gut in, there's a very specific test that I recommend. It's a fantastic test. It's called an organic acid test. This is, this is, the first, this is where you start. Um, it's a urine test. That's the beauty of it. You can, you know, your practitioner can send it to you. I can send it out if you want. It's called an organic acid test. And this test itself, it's one of my, one of the reasons I'm going to, I'm going to give you a list of the different things we learned from this, but this gives us a really good picture of what's going on with your cut, with your gut. And then it helps us target what strategy are we going to use? Because listen, there's a lot of different plans. You might want to do some fasting. You might want to do a keto diet. You might, uh, you might, your doctor might want to put you on a vegetarian diet, but this will help us identify specifically for you, what tools do we need and what strategy are we going to play in order to get your gut healthy? This gives us sort of an organic acid test to let us know about your yeast and your fungal markers. That's huge. Your bacterial markers, your clostridium markers. Uh, what else tells us? It tells us about oxalates. So listen, if you have too high of oxalates, it could be super, super toxic for us. It also lets us know about your mitochondrial markers and it's how well your mitochondrial function. And that's something we want to keep our eye on because that's really telling us how well we are aging or how much how much influence we're having with negative stuff on down-regulating our body and our cellular function. One of my favorite reasons for this test is it also gives us markers for your neurotransmitters. And that is dopamine, serotonin, which I told you earlier, not only helps us sleep, but is a key one in helping us with things like anxiety. It helps. So there's dopamine, norepinephrine, epinephrine, serotonin, all of those, we get a good clear picture of how much you do or do not have. And this is all in this simple P-test, which is fantastic. 
And there's some other things that it tells a little about your fatty acid, fatty acid oxidations, nutritional markers like B12, uh, B6, which is another precursor for your brain, which, you know, for serotonin and dopamine, all your B vitamins, vitamin C, CoQ10, glutathione precursors. And glutathione is your number one uh, uh, antioxidant in the body. It's the number one um Glutathione, it, it, its job is to go out, pick up free radicals and get them out of your body. If you're low in this, then you're going to have a hard time, you know, getting your body clean. Then also tells things like your biotin. So that's called an organic acid test. Do I run stool tests? I will, but it's not my first test that I run. So this organic acid test, if I'm going to start with testing, that's where I'm going to do it. And listen, that test usually runs. The test itself um, I think it runs about 250 bucks. So is it mandatory? No. Does it, it is really good for us, but if finances are going to be a cost, use that time and that money to get with your practitioner and get a good track. And then maybe when you can afford that, that test, you get that done, but that test will certainly start things off right here. All right. So what do we do? What are our action steps? What do we take away from today's podcast? So first, here's what we do. Go to a whole food diet because I promise you, if you show up in a practitioner's office, if you show up in my office, I'm going to tell you, we've got to get the bad guys out. So start right there. So today you can start. What does a whole food diet look like? If it comes from a root, a plant, a tree, walks in the garden, swims in the sea, that's what I call God's garden, that should be your target diet. If it's in a box, if it's in a bag, if it's packaged, if it's processed, if you don't know what it is or what food or what what plant it came from, what animal it came from, your brain probably won't either. So let's leave that one out. We got to stop all that junk from coming into our body. Number two, and listen, I don't always say this because I want you guys to have action steps you can always take on your own. But when it comes to your gut health, it's too important. There's too much going on. So number two action step, Go get yourself with a practitioner, a clinical nutritionist like myself, a functional someone who practices functional medicine like myself, someone that has dealt with this, you know, down the road. Or, I mean, you know, in the past and dealing with it regularly. If they're out there, I promise you, they're already practicing. They're working with these cases daily, and then day to day, they're working with it. And then the next part, when it comes to gut health, be patient. Yes, this is a process. So most of the time, we've got to clear the gut out and then feed it so you can grow the garden again. So it's a process. So you can start to notice some of your symptoms change, but they really get your gut health back. It's usually a process. All right, my friends. Well, that's it for today. I hope that that has given you some some kind of motivation and understanding of that you have a huge control over your gut health and how impactful it can be on your health. So again, if you if you can send this out to someone you think that would benefit from learning a little bit more about their, their gut, learning, getting better health back into their body. And as usual, take action, deliberate action for you, for your health. Y'all have an awesome day. Thanks for listening to the Health Made Simple podcast. If you have a question or email you'd like me to answer or a topic you want me to cover, just go ahead and send us an email. To get my simple health tip on a daily basis, follow me on Facebook at Dr. Bart Precourt. And remember, your body is designed to be healthy, so let's make this the healthiest year of your life by taking more action than you ever have before.